Hello and welcome back to The Backhanders, bringing you all the ins and the outs from the great game of tennis. Here on this podcast, we cover each tennis slam and we are also unafraid to slam tennis. Here you are for the Australian Open mid-tournament review. My name is Lightning and with me a man who just like Tennis Australia is so cool, Catters. Catters, welcome. Lightning, so good to be with you and great to have tennis back. But I have a bone to pick with this open, this grand sham already. And that is that Mm. I'm discombobulated, Lightning. I cannot think straight. I'm confused. One moment, your great city of Melbourne is opening its doors to the public. And the next minute, it's empty stands. You know, one minute, Mm. I'm seeing Rafa Nadal limping injured, saying that he's never going to play tennis again. The next moment, he's slaughtering people on the court. Mm. One moment, Sam Stoza is dead and buried. The next moment, she's winning matches. And may I say, I genuinely (laughs) thought she was dead lightning. And that's not to make light of it. But I had refrained from criticizing her the last six or seven episodes out of respect. Respect for her family, but it is all on for young and old because that chumpity chump 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 managed to snatch a game and light a fire in my heart and then only to snuff out any hope in the second round, which was the only thing that did make sense to me. But Lightning, you know, let's get on to Serena Williams. She walks out. That's discombobulating. From that's discombobulating. That's that 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 that. I'm actually having a stroke. Can you just... Your speech um, is discombobulating over there, Cutters. <laughs> um, so from one side, it looks like she's walking out into 35-degree weather. From the other side, it looks like she's about to compete in the Bells Pro in the middle of winter. I don't know what the freak is going on. I mean, can you describe that outfit for me, Lightning, other than the fact that it looks like a Star Trek costume where someone got beamed up by Scotty halfway (laughs) and then (laughs) she arrived but her outfit didn't quite get through the space-time continuum I don't know I have no idea what was going on Catters other than she's worn the grimace of Gotham before I mean maybe this is her take on the two-face I don't know where she's heading. It's maybe forward thinking because, and and maybe I'm speaking out of jealousy because Melbourne is four seasons in one day and this caters to every possible weather scenario. (laughs) One for each limb. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time my left leg was overheating, but my right leg was just (laughs) freezing cold. Yeah, so I, I don't get it, Lightning. And I mean, just to put the cherry on top of the turd cake that is this grand sham is that when I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm watching tennis and it's live. I mean, these players have been stuck in quarantine for 14 days and they're expected to play at 2 a.m., 4 a.m. I mean, that cannot be good for their bodies, Lightning. (laughs) This Mickey Mouse tournament cannot be taken seriously. Yes, just got to jump in there, Catters. I hope you can still hear me across the time delay because that's what the go is. It's time delay. So Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, they're not playing middle of the night, Catters. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah, well, we can agree to disagree on that one, Lightning. The jury's out. But uh, I just think, generally speaking, it's a sham. But Catters, you're right. It's been a unique open. We had a wad of crowds day one. We've had curious matches with people drinking beer bongs in the stands mid-match and 
throwing chairs, topless. Good family environment. That's what we like to see. Yeah, exactly. They've been playing strip poker in the stands. They've been going nuts. They've been cheering and yelling and going crazy. And then at the stroke of midnight, the Open turned into a pumpkin. And due to the lockdown that we're now in here in Melbourne, a snap lockdown for five days, fans were evicted mid-Djokovic game. And he was ropeable. I mean, he had to fake an injury in order to create something for the fans to want to stay for. But alas, the authorities had to march people out. Cutters, you're right. The the Open is, it's not as we expected. Started with fans. We are now fanless, listening to the echoes of balls being beaten around these large, empty stands. We've never seen an Open like it. Lightning, I'll have you know that the ATP has officially approved Djokovic's bruised ego injury that he suffered that (laughs) evening. So let's give the man the benefit of the doubt. And the problem with him, Lightning, is that we've established on this podcast that he is King Serbian troll. He will pull any card that he needs to in order to succeed. Mm. And when the crowds were clearing out and he was suffering and the injury came in, I thought, Novak, calm as a bitch. (laughs) And I'm not referring to lowly ranked up-and-coming 20-year-old Estonian player Christopher Karma. He's a nice guy. (laughs) Although, if any of his ex-girlfriends or jaded acquaintances want to get in touch and suggest otherwise, that Karma's not a bitch. But he suffered the wrath of the tennis gods lightning, and it was beautiful to see. And I thought the beautiful twist of irony that as he's trying to hype himself up from the precipice of being ousted due to an injury, the beauty of the fact that it was St. Nick Curios, a.k.a. COVID Cop. <laughs> who was escorting all of the crowd members out. (laughs) Exactly. Because, Gattis, if you believed perhaps Curious had gone missing in the fifth set against team, well, that's exactly what had happened. He ducked (laughs) over to Rod Laver to just help with the official duties of getting people out of there. So COVID cop back in town. And Lightning, the climax where he finally crawls to victory against Taylor Fritz in the fifth set. Mm-hmm. You know, he tore a stomach muscle. Brilliant man, Novak. The ability to self-diagnose whilst going through <laughs> the change events. He's he's a genius. But I'm glad they cleared out the crowds because I wouldn't have wanted my fictitious kids to witness that Serbian Lego man's primal scream when he won that match because it was a guttural scream that would have I mean I had this idea how does everybody know that it's midnight and that everyone needs to be in lockdown do they ring a bell do they have a bat signal in Melbourne what do they do no 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 they have the Serbian guttural scream echoing through the streets of Melbourne to remind everybody a Novak owns this town Secondly, I'm a little injured. Can I have a little bit of sympathy over here? You know, everyone. Yep, that's cool. And thirdly, sit your asses home for the next five days while I go out partying with my sweaty hunks. So just ridiculous. (laughs) Exactly. There's lots of debate about whether he's the goat, but no debating that he's the throat. Because that was... That had some volume. It's a ridiculous taunt to the lines person who he struck. I mean, can he just leave her alone? I mean, she can barely conjure up the energy for a whisper these days. (laughs) 
But Catters, this is not the Open we wanted. It's not the Open we signed up for. And yet here we are and Catters halfway through with a tournament to go. We still know that there's things that can get us excited, that can get us going. Catters, I'm keen to hear all about what you've got most excited about in our first segment. The segment that is Come On. I've got nothing in my head. I'm just really excited and I want to hug the whole stadium. So, Catters, what has got you excited about this first week of the Australian Open? Well, Lightning, the silver lining to any tournament, if your favourite players aren't winning, is the fact that there are a lot of losers. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing that I love, Lightning, it's the fact that when you have a main draw, there's going to be 127 people going home with nothing but a... 14-day quarantine experience. (laughs) And I think that makes me feel better about my own life. I don't want to be sadistic lightning, but just over the last few days, seeing players melt down emotionally, Mm. physically, spiritually. I think I saw Akuna Matova have an existential crisis outside of court three (laughs) when she realized that she might not win any silverware for her name alone, which I'm still petitioning the WTA for. Reply to my emails. But... (laughs) Players have struggled, and this has been great fodder for me, Lightning. It brings me great joy to see people stress-tested. Yes. I've always felt that the real drama comes through when players are under pressure, Lightning. Mm -hmm. And that was no clearer than the other night in the all-Italian affair between Fonini and Pavarotti. (laughs) Who was it? (laughs) No, it was Caruso, Lightning. And those two fought a very tight five-setter. Mm. And at the end, they tapped rackets or whatever you, you know, stroked each other's hair. I don't know what players do in this day and age, but they greeted. And as they were walking towards their respective chairs, they started a massive argument. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know with towels whether it is an argument or a friendly conversation. Such is the passion of the Southern Europeans, oh. Lightning. So these guys, you know... It could have been anything from, you know, I can't believe you slept with my mother last year through to I told you that the pasta shop in Ligon Street is much better than the cafe on Lonsdale. Let's meet there later. I cannot tell, but the hand gestures were less than friendly lightning. Absolutely. I can read the international language of hand gestures. And these two got into quite a heated debate to the point where the chair umpire had to come down, separate them, had to administer a bowl of pasta to each of them, and... (laughs) literally break the garlic bread. And I I thought that was a nice touch. And then they had to get the Nuna to come onto court and spank them both for their behavior. It wasn't pretty. You know, I thought that the chair umpire calling them Mario and Luigi was potentially (laughs) racist, but great for us viewers that had stayed up late to watch the argy-bargy. And you know, Kat is... I wasn't sure what was going on either. I had to go and check out the transcript, which I did and finally found it. So Fanini rocks up at the net and says, what's the matter, you? The other guy says, hey. He says, got no respect. He says, why you look so sad? Hey, it's not so bad. Hey, it's a nicer place. Hey, shut up your face. And then it's on. It's incredible. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. No, Lightning, against all instincts, I did do some research prior to this episode. Right. And I did see that the alleged transcript Mm. was around Fanini, who just won, taunting his opponent Caruso, that 
he got lucky. Yes. And it's like, can you just take the win <laughs> and go home, buddy? <laughs> like, we know you're an obnoxious prat, but you don't need to taunt your opponent for dragging it out into five sets. It was a brilliant, brilliant effort. It's like shoplifting and then returning with the apparel on and taunting the security guard for not having got you the first time. It's like, mate, we get it. (laughs) And while we're on the theme of Southern Europe, the Medvedevil. He doesn't come from that neck of the woods, but the guy's a genius. He speaks like four languages fluently. English... Russian, French, mm. and public arrogance, I believe. And he's just a brilliant unit. And he actually speaks French with his coach, Lightning. Yeah. This was a couple of days ago. He was locked into a five-setter, and his coach was watching in the empty stands. And Medvedevil started to get so pissed off during the match that he was just taunting his coach in French, which I take umbrage to because that is the language of love, my friend. I don't know how you can taunt someone in French. I don't believe it's possible. So maybe he was just using the beautiful, eloquent language in a sarcastic manner. Only he could twist a language like French and turn it into a weapon of mass disruption. So he ends up getting his coach so worked up that the coach is like, mate, I didn't come all this way and quarantine for 14 days to be froggy bashed on live television. So he packs up his little French suitcase. I think he had his omelette and his croissant on one side. Like, if we're going to keep all the racial stereotypes of this segment going, Lightning, then I just need to let it all out. So he picked up his easel, tucked that under his arm. (laughs) Baguette under the other arm. And just like a moving barcode, the stripy shirt went off into the distance. And Medvedevil was like, right, now I can actually focus on my match. And this is what I do not understand, Lightning. I'm sorry. There's 18,000 empty seats in this stadium. And one guy is occupying a seat. Is that disrupting you? Oh, the guy who has nurtured you all the way. Talk about biting the hand that feeds you. I mean, (laughs) utterly ridiculous. Oh, yeah. You up there. The guy who's taught me everything I know. Croissant, baguette, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Deja vu, deja vu, deja vu, deja vu. It was just ridiculous, Lightning. And he won, and I'm sure that would have been a frosty little uh, rendezvous at the breakfast table the next day. No one has halved the spectators (laughs) viewing a match in one foul swoop before. Incredible. (laughs) So, I mean, that's the Southern European contingency that were showing their usual penchant for passion. But you also had people physically. I mean, we make jokes about the lame horse lightning. I had hoped, best case, we could get into double figures of Mm. players breaking down for my pure sadistic entertainment. Never could (laughs) I have dreamt of how many players were just... Finding new ways for their bodies to break down. Yes. It was splendid. So speaking of Frenchies lightning, you've got Benoit Paire, who's our favorite male model slash very, very part-time tennis player. He was down quarantining. I can only presume for a pre-existing commitment he had to some strip poker tournament in Hobart, but he... (laughs) was stuck in quarantine and he'd already dubbed the tournament shameful whilst he's in quarantine. So keeping an open mind are Benny Pair 
And uh, he could have grown one, Lightning, because he went out there in round one. And I'll tell you what shameful is. Shameful is losing a game on serve without your opponent having to touch the ball because Benny Pear went out and served up eight consecutive faults. I mean, seriously, try the underarm, you freaking giant of a joke. Did he really? Eight consecutive serves? Yes. There's got to be a term for it, Cutters. If there's a bagel for a zero scoreline, what's the term for uh, failing to land a service blow? I would call it the bearded blunder lightning, and I hope I never see it repeated again. In fact, that's going to be his UTS name, the bearded blunder, which might not have him queuing up to sign on, but uh, let's see. I mean, it's not a big transition from being a male model to the poster boy for bad tennis. (laughs) So, Lightning, not only did you have the mental implosions, but physically, players were shattering left, right, and center. And for once, it wasn't Kokonakis, who, out of God's grace, managed to roam around a court for five sets without tripping over his own shoelaces and fracturing his jaw. It's almost like Kokonakis' entire history of injuries were just scattergunned across the drawer in the first round because you had Venus Williams rolling an ankle. You had Johanna Conta doing her stomach muscle. You had Novak Djokovic, who was... Didn't he have stage four cancer in that second round match? You had... Self-diagnosed, mind you. Um, Jordan Thompson, who was just wrapped to be on a list of something. Jordan Thompson, the great Australian nobody. What was he injured doing? I think his uh, left moustache might have fallen off. Um. I think a lot of people asked him in the press conference afterwards, could this be career ending? And they weren't so much asking as recommending. Uh, Let's hope he heeds their advice. So, Lightning, add all into that the fact that Tennis Engren's face got shattered. Oh, yeah. It hasn't been a good first week for the players. And reminding us all, Cutters, that this is the come on segment. <laughs> These are the things that have got you most excited, which I really enjoy. Lightning, again, it comes down to 128 people who start, and there's 127 unsuccessful stories along the way. And if we don't celebrate them, Lightning, firstly, we don't have content. And if we don't have content, we don't have that lucrative advertising moolah that you and I have been lusting after for so long. So I'm just finding silver linings left, right, and center. A lot of them actually in Serena's bat cape uh, costume that she donned on her way to Rod Laver. And it's a good call, Cutters. I have been reading Bernie's book for how to uh, generate content. And uh, it's a picture book. And it's, it makes, it's a good read. It's a scratch and sniff, which is unfortunate. <laughs> I, I, I don't need to go there, Bernie. Well, Lightning, at the risk of turning optimistic in this podcast, what, what's getting you excited? <laughs> oh, Cutters, for me, it's the great land of Australia. I mean, here we are knowing off the bat that Tennis Australia had no interest in a fair playing field and just wanted to cheat their asses off. (laughs) And creating the draw to their liking has just been a stroke of absolute genius. Putting Aussies, Aussies like Sam Stoza against the very few players in the entire universe she could possibly beat. You know, that kind of draw, that rigged draw that we've come to expect. Because we had 12 Aussies through 
the first two days, get through to the next round. That's the first time that's happened in 30 years. As you said, Kokonakis was able to stand up straight. I mean, this is unheard of. We had Bernie managing to outlast a bloke getting through to the second round. I mean, to clinch that tight walkover. We had Stoza and Kokonakis winning here for the first time in six years. And honestly, when I turned the TV on and saw Sam Stoza win, I honestly thought it was a Masters tournament <laughs> that she just won, only to find out she'd got through the first round. But of course... Ash Barty, you know, we also have seen her just troweling up the opposition. So her first round cutters was something to behold. I mean, there's Aussie success stories left, right and centre, but for me, she's been the one to watch. They had to do a deep clean of Rod Laver Arena after her 44-minute double bagel bloodbath of Montenegro's 82nd-ranked Danka Kovinic. Is she ranked 82 in Montenegro? Have they clarified that? <laughs> It would explain, Catters, why this 44-minute double bagel happened. I mean, she shattered Kovinich's ego, confidence, soul, spleen. The whole lot of it was just scattered everywhere around Rod Laver. The fact that a double bagel is the national dish of Montenegro is also just rubbing (laughs) salt into the wounds. They were more than happy to have a bit of salt on on the double bagel. I mean, seriously, Catters, Barty won the first 16 points of the match. So this woman could not lay a racket on it. At the end of the match, Barty had won 50 points and Dunker had only won 10 in this six love, six love. So Dunker had spent 20,160 minutes in hotel quarantine and 44 minutes. And get a load of these for some stats cutters. She went home with 100 grand for losing in round number one. So that means... She earned $10,000 for each point she'd won. (laughs) I mean, that's a quality strike rate. This is just where there has to be a better form of public humiliation for these players that bounce out in round one with no resistance lightning. We cannot reinforce this type of behavior by rewarding it. She should be forced to wear Serena's outfit for the rest of the year. (laughs) Unwashed, mind you, from Serena's victory in the final. Lightning, you know I've never been too much into eschatology. I leave that to the finer scholars on this podcast, such as yourself. But I do believe that there is a chapter in Revelations talking about signs of the apocalypse being this many Australian players making it into the second round. They said you will know that when Kokonakis gallops like one of the four horsemen (laughs) without pinging both Achilles tendons and Sam Stozer is able to string together two consecutive sets on Australian soil, bunker down, buy as much bottled water as possible because this shit's going to get real. And if you can avoid Daniil Medvedev, the Antichrist, then you know that the apocalypse is coming. Well, we should have seen it coming as well when Tennis Sangren was branded with the mark of the beast in the first round. (laughs) That's right. He was trying to exercise a demon, whereas it was the demon who managed to... (laughs) Who exercised his lazy ass. (laughs) So, Kat, it has just been extraordinary to see these Aussies just 
receive the silver spoon they've been given and just walk through the tournament as they wanted. I mean, seriously, you had to see Barty's draw to believe it. Literally, the organiser had just hand-picked the worst tennis players they could and placed them in the top half of the draw with only Barty in there. And dead set cut is the stat that came out today. The players left in the tournament in the top half, they'd counted the amount of players who'd made a slam final. That number was one, and it was Ash Barty. The bottom half had 47. I mean, that is extraordinary. So on the bottom half of the draw, there's Halep and Serena Williams and Asaka and Muguruza and Svantec beating each other up, doing the Royal Rumble winner takes all. And on the other side, it's Barty versus Danka Kovinic. And then it's Aussie Trier. Daria Gavrilova, and then it's Alexandrova, and then it's Emma Wiggle, and then it's the Tooth Fairy, and then it's... I mean, seriously, Cutters, they are taking the piss. It is her open to win. Lightning, and this leads to a letter that I penned to Daniel Andrews, the Victorian Premier, only a couple of days ago, which was precisely the fact that why don't we spread out the five lockdown days every second day across the tournament? Because let's face it, on party days... Nobody's paying attention anyway. So let the people at least see good tennis on the bottom of the draw lightning. I'll give you the racket and we'll no, see how many no. times see how many times you can return your serve also. No, you're a professional tennis player. I'm not. Okay. Cut is time for Fed Up and Poo Down a segment when we look at those who right before our eyes are blooming, are growing into the potential next God, the next Fed. They become our Fed Up. And of course, we also look at those who aren't quite nailing the brief. They aren't quite able to deliver in the way they need to and therefore following that treacherous trek of Mark the Poo Philippusis. And they become our Poo Down. So Cutters, I'm asking you, who is your Fed Up? Well, Lightning, my fed up is a lady that I'm extremely excited about. Mm-hmm. She is none other than Shei Sue mm-hmm. from Taiwan. If you've seen this woman, you know what I'm talking about yeah. because she is equally exciting both on and off the court. She has a complete air of confidence about her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't take things too seriously. Brilliant, sparkling personality. Unorthodox. Yeah. I'll give her that. She is seriously pioneering in the way that she plays tennis because she has this strange forehand backhand um serve it's really revolutionary oh, lightning gonna, no no she has this ability amazing. i mean bernard <laughs> thomas is thinking of taking lessons notes, right <laughs> <laughs> but lightning it's the way that she does it because she plays right-handed as i understand but she swaps to her left hand when she's playing a backhand so it's kind of like having two forehands if yeah, you can yeah, follow yeah. that it's so essentially um, a forehand on both sides yes so it's just this most unorthodox way of playing which kind of makes sense when you look back and realize that prior to being coached by paul McNamee, as she currently is she was under the watchful eye of obi-wan kenobi <laughs> which has held her in good stead <laughs> But for me, Lightning, it's it's bigger than that. It's the idea that she just plays with a youthful exuberance. She's 35 years old. Wow. And I think she's just a great 
endorsement for what would a female tennis player look like if she wasn't locked under the stairs by her father and forced to train 24 hours a day and it's a rare experiment lightning we don't really have anything to compare her with but it's just the fact that she smiles and enjoys the sport it's just a rare treat lightning so she's my fed up oh cool and um certainly she was fed up of eating bagels because as she described it herself when she walked onto court the third round she had prior to that played Sara Rani three times and had suffered a bagel a six love set on all three occasions and so in her post-match in a moment of relief she said I'm just so happy I didn't eat any bagels today and I just thought (laughs) what a beautiful way of putting it so she's my fed up lightning and my poo down is a man who is just playing games with my heart I'm not gonna put it any other way lightning Mm. Rafa Nadal are you injured are you not injured can Mm. I scratch your name off the list of contenders or do I have to watch your gigantic forearm (laughs) pile drive your way into the final because I had written him off lightning absolutely I had said okay he's not willing to play any of the lead-up tournaments Mm. fine you're complaining of this back injury you're not going to train on days off during the tournament you're stuffed But he's not stuffed lightning. He is a juiced beast who can just pulverize his opponent even with a broken back. And how long are these big three going to cling on to top spot for? Because honestly, between him and Novak, they technically belong in retirement villages, yet they're able to just go out there and bully their way through the early rounds. And I side with a woman who I think really shared all of our sentiments on Rod Laver in the first round where she just had enough of it and she had a little bit too much to drink. But let's face it, that's a bit of Dutch courage. I think we've all been there. We've been in the crowd. We've thought, hey, if I had a couple of sharpeners under my belt, I might have the courage to yell out what I'm really thinking. And she did. She told Rafa what we've all been thinking for years and years. And that is, get on with it, you OCD I I had that tattooed on my lower back seven years ago. I was a trailblazer. Would I have shouted it out on center court? Probably not. But this Karen, as some people have deemed her, is someone who I think the public should be holding up as a beacon, giving direct feedback to these players who Mm. for so long have been living in their little bubble. Mm. And I just think in the ultimate moment, she stood up and just flipped the bird to Rafa Nadal. She was just poised there in a beautiful moment of resistance. The middle finger versus a smiling Rafa who later said that he didn't know who that was directed at. And I say to that Rafa, it is incredible you've won 20 slams with eyesight that poor. But this woman deserves a statue. I'm going to say it now. When does she get her statue? I want to see a bust of Margaret Court, Yvonne Goolagong Corley, and then Karen just flipping the bird, greeting people as they enter Melbourne Park from here on in. Because these are the cultural moments that shape our society, Lightning. Lightning, who's fedding up in your mind? Oh, it's a very good question, Kat, as we've seen some fantastic options and I had to go through a lot of them to determine who I would land on as my fed up. Would it be Yannick Sinner? I mean, it was great seeing a Sinner out there and uh, I mean, Margaret Court's been trying not to allow it for many years, but somehow <laughs> he managed to break through. Uh, so, you know, he's an honourable mention. But for me, Kat, is 
The one who got there, who rose to the top of the podium, is qualifier and world number 111. He's the Russian Aslan Karatsev in his first ever slam cutters. This man is through to the quarterfinals. He's never even played in a five-set match before, and he has taken out some incredible names. So this Russian spy who is moving through the tournament as an assassin, he's just taken all before him. So he took number eight seed, Diego Schwartzman, out. And I'm not talking about out of his high chair. He took him out of the tournament cutters. So Karatsev has now wow. become just the first qualifier to make the quarterfinals of the Australian Open since... Goran Ivanizovic in 1989. He's also the first player to make the quarterfinals in his first Grand Slam main draw appearance since Alex Rudolescu at Wimbledon in 1996. And of course, before that, it was Poncho Gonzalez, <laughs> uh, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. But Catters, this man is incredible. And today was down two sets to love against the magician. Felix Auger-Aliassim, and he ended up turning the match around and winning in five sets against the world number 20. So it was just unbelievable cutters to see to see Aslan come back from the dead, basically. <laughs> I mean, this is someone coached by Mr. Tumnus, was up there in the stands, and he was able to pull out all stops and make it happen. So... Could you imagine Aslan making it through to the semifinals? Just a likable Russian. I mean, what novelty factor. There, there must be great marketing potential. I know you were a huge fan of Flying Monkey Russian, a.k.a. Yes. Marit Safin. And I was yes. a huge fan of Dave and Danko. I thought they were a compelling doubles <laughs> team. But aside from that, it's been slim pickings from Russia if you look at likable players over the years, hasn't it? <laughs> well, see, with the name Aslan, I wonder if... They could cultivate maybe a doubles pairing with Serena Williams and call it maybe the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe malfunction. Maybe that's uh, somewhere they could go. Well, Lightning, I would have thought a successful Russian was a poo down, but give me your genuine <laughs> attempt. Let me add one. Cat is for me, the poo down was the warm-up tournaments for this very Australian Open. Ah, yes. Now, for those unaware, they had a swarm of them. They had the Gippsland and Grampians trophies, the Yarra Valley Classic, the Great Ocean Road Open, and the Murray River Open. There was also the Jim's Backyard Open and the Boring Old Sleepy Town Cup and the Back of Burke, Please Please Come and Spend Your Tourist Dollars Here Classic. They had them all, Cutters, all playing out of Melbourne Park and all trying to seem important. And Cutters, didn't they smack of importance and heft? Hit me, Lightning. <laughs> oh, I mean, they had Azarenka and Asaka and Williams pulling out and not showing up. They had Andrescu, who had not played. I thought you were going to say pulling out all stops, but uh, <laughs> fell a little short. But yeah, good on you. Uh, if only. Well, perhaps Andrescu. I mean, she hasn't played in a year and a half and is therefore desperate for match practice. She gets to them and says, nah. And she joins them in pulling out. So there's just no one. And then they have they invent a tournament for those who'd been in hard lockdown. They have the Grampians Trophy, 
for which all 12 residents made the six-hour journey down <laughs> to get to the much-anticipated finals, only for organisers to pull the pin and not bother hosting the final <laughs> and just ending it at the semi-final <laughs> stage and just handing out points and prize money to whoever happened to be in earshot. It was oh. hilarious. Gosh. So unbelievable. So the only point of note cutters was Barty took out one of those aforementioned tournaments. She took out the Yarra Valley Classic and received for her troubles, and many of you will have seen it on Insta or on socials, as a trophy, she was given a giant wombat. This kind of brown tanned wombat mounted on a cheese board. So cutters, <laughs> it was... Good to know that the barbecue remains of the animals in last year's fires are being put to use. <laughs> but it was one of the most extraordinary trophies I've seen. What did you make of it? Well, you mock it, but I mean, they are facing extinction. So just to know that she has a perfectly preserved specimen there on her mantelpiece, <laughs> that is that is a trophy that money can't buy. <laughs> See, I thought it was like poetic symbolism. I thought Barty had caused this whole heap of roadkill en route to winning the tournament. So maybe they just went and <laughs> found some lying by roadside. And uh, Anyway, at the end of the day, I'd probably take a barbecued wombat over a Wuhan bat. So, so, uh, <laughs> it's better than the men who all received boomerangs. And that's the kind of trophy that they actually literally tried to throw away. <laughs> have a bagel i'm just trying before the match i just thinking okay today i better don't eat the bagel today cutters we are going to dust off a segment seldom done on this podcast we hold it until such times as something important comes to light it's a segment in which you shed some light on a lesser known fact or facet of the game cutters in this wildcard segment what have you got for us well, Lightning, I thought for our viewers that aren't as au fait with the rich history of Melbourne, mm. that it might be helpful just to give a quick update on the naming of the courts. Mm. These courts can change quite a bit. I know that, gosh, when I left Melbourne many, many years ago, it was called the High Sense Arena. Yeah, yeah. Prior to that, it was the Vodafone Arena, and then it became the... The Tina Arena before that, <laughs> yep, I believe. That's... It just well deserved, um, <laughs> lest we forget. So um, she's still alive as well. Okay, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I think she took out Stoza actually in the second <laughs> round. A woman of many talents versus a lady of very few. Um, Lightning. So Margaret Court, big fan of the pod, friend of the pod. Her name has adorned the former Court One for a long time now, but it's a yes. controversial subject due to some of her. Uh, I'd say right-leaning views, potentially, bordering on extremist <laughs> yeah. views. I'd say wrong-leaning views, to be honest, Cadiz. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um. Never one to judge lightning. We, uh, <laughs> we like to tread the fine line of political correctness. We're an open church. But one of the other courts, Lightning, has this year been anointed the John Kane Arena. Yeah. So, Lightning, I thought it'd be just helpful very quickly to let listeners know a little bit about who John Kane was. He was a former Victorian premier. So he was leading the state in the 1980s. I was young at that time, so I don't remember a lot about it. But the other interesting element is the crossover here, which is that he was also an athlete. He was a professional wrestler. Right. So John Kane, the Kane train, just <laughs> brilliant politician, very savvy, but also unafraid in question time to do what... 
can only be described as public spankings. And that was his wrestler move called the Mark of Cain, where if someone so much as questioned his authority, he would bend them over publicly in the house and slap them, leaving said Mark of Cain. And that was his special move. And uh, so just a tremendous advocate for equality. He, he would spank you whether you were male, female, or indifferent. And... Um, I'm wrapped that his legacy is living on in this wonderful arena. Absolutely. I, I remember him, some of his other finishing moves, because then he'd dance on top of you and call out the sugar cane, I think, <laughs> as well. The sugar cane did become a popular dance move amongst inebriated <laughs> wedding guests in the late 80s. Yes, lightning. <laughs> Dark chapter in Victorian history. Do you regret not apologising for hitting him? With the ball in the third Why would I apologise? Why would I apologise? I wouldn't for it. I mean, dude's got how many slams? How much money in the bank account? I think he can take a ball to the chest, bro. Catters, we are midway through this Aussie Grand Sham, and I'm keen to check in on your predictions for this tournament and see how you're tracking, Catters. Who had you predicted for this tournament? Well, Lightning, my predictions are both still intact, which I'm very happy to say going into the second week. Mm. Might have had something to do with the fact that I went with two of arguably the greatest players of all time. But I was able to put aside my prejudices towards anti-vaxxer flat earthers and support Novak Djokovic on his quest for a well-earned post-lockdown slam. But he's still in the tournament. He's still in the mix. And Serena Williams, who I think she's looking very, very good. Mm. And my dark horses, that's where things went a little awry, Lightning. And perhaps I shouldn't be as experimental going forward. I've learned a thing or two. <laughs> yeah, be less experimental and just stick with the flat earthers, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, Tennis Sengren, I had a good feeling about him. and Which you're the first person, Catters, uh, to have ever been able to say so. <laughs> Might have been because I've never read the Twitter, but he was eviscerated by the demon in the first round Ooh, yeah. and um, yes. sent packing with a few facial bruises as souvenirs. So... Bruised ego for my predictions ability. And the second dark horse was none other than Akuna Matova. And she got to the third round and then just crapped the proverbial bed against Simona Halep. And I got to tell you, Lightning, it's taught me a lesson. I am never going to predict a tennis player again based on their Disney character references. I've been burnt <laughs> twice already. Thank you to Olaf in <laughs> the French Open last year who bombed out in the qualifiers. Do you want to shank a forehand? So I, I won't be making that mistake again, Lightning. No, I feel you might need to let it go here, Catters. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, and lame horse prediction. I think yes. I went back through the tape and I did say that there were going to be 15 lame horses. I always get a little overexcited. When the word injury comes up, I, I feel like... <laughs> I feel the uh, cold hand of Christopher Karma on my shoulder and I just shot a little wide and far there, Lightning, and went for 15. I don't think we'll quite reach that unless the second week involves uh, a few unexpected earthquakes or other natural disasters on Senate Court. So how about you, Lightning? 
Well, that's not a bad fairing for you, Cutters, halfway through the tournament. Similarly, both my players are in the tournament. Rafael Nadal, you may have heard of him. I have loved him feigning an injury to put himself up against it for this tournament. So entering the tournament in a wheelchair and transferring categories mid-tournament, I thought was a stroke of genius. Doing that old kind of preacher act... (laughs) Of, you know, coming on with the crutch onto court yes. and then, hey, hey, hallelujah, hallelujah. So that's been amazing. I so, got the mark of Cain. <laughs> so with the power running through him, Catters, I think he's going to power on through this second half of the tournament and take it out, which would put him above the great fed with slam number 21 were it to happen. Catters Asaka was my pick on the female side. A woman who is in great form on the court and shredding it up in on-court interviews as well. And I loved watching her interview tonight when the commentator just rabbited on for about three minutes trying to disguise his comments as a question only for a saga to turn to him and say, that's not a question. (laughs) Just (laughs) shut him down. So with that kind of defense, it's very hard to see anyone getting past Naomi Osaka. So those were my picks, Catters. My dark horses, Nick Curios. It is such a shame to see the man out after an incredible five-set match with Dominic Team to see his battle with Novak Djokovic. We loved seeing him walk onto court tonight when he was playing doubles and doing his old virus spread <laughs> celebration to all four parts to heckle his friend, the Joker, and to see him take on the COVID cop Posture has just been exciting for me. As it was from the very moment he walked onto Melbourne Park when he had his first warm-up game in one of those shabby tournaments we mentioned earlier and he shanked a racket and just pegged it full tilt into the stands. And I thought... From that point on, this guy was going to make some dents, not only in a small child's head in the stands, but actually in the drawer itself. And he managed to do that to a large extent, but just couldn't get the chocolate. So, you know, some people throw in the towel, but Curiosity just throws his hard rubbish into the stands, doesn't he? So uh, off the racket went. But it catters and Schwantek. She was a great pick for me. I was really happy with her as a dark horse. She's just been knocked out tonight by Hullop. So that was a bit disappointing. So, you know, Cutters, they were in the game. They didn't have a catchy Disney jingle with either of them. So I always felt as though they were lacking uh, energy from my point of view. Cutters, lame horse, 11. I was a little bit more realistic. Cutters, I'm counting kind of seven midway through the tournament. I don't think we're that far off. Sagita, Thompson, Villa Martinez, Karuna Buster, Conta, Venus. Uh, I mean, seeing Venus limping to the line, both in her second round match against Arani, as well as in her career as a whole, I thought for me was a good sign. (laughs) It was a telling metaphor. It was a telling metaphor. So, yes, and, uh, you know, uh, Curios's haircut, I was hoping that could have been added to the retirement lists, but uh, hasn't done so yet. But alas, we need to leave you, dear listeners, for the second half of this Australian Open to enjoy how it all comes to a crescendo. And as it does, we will be there to review this, the 2021 Australian Open. So... We will see you in only a few days' time. Friends, please join us through Instagram or Facebook, through the Backhanders. Please make sure you listen to the podcast, but share it. We would love you to pass on the love of the Backhanders. Get others involved, particularly whilst we're mid-open and the energy's up and about. We would love you to jump on too and review our podcast too. Always helps spread the love. 
But alas, friends, we need to leave you. So if OCD tendencies are getting you down, even if the few sherbets you've consumed are getting you up, just remember to be quiet, please. Thank you.